When Jenna loses her parents in a tragic accident, their lives in Washington's Snoqualmie Valley change in unexpected ways. Despite the changes, Jenna still finds love with a mysterious young man she once believed was Hannah's imaginary friend. Tall, dark, and hairy, Adam brings to light rumors of Bigfoot. Can science explain his experience, his appearance? Is he really a supernatural creature like some people propose, or is he just as human as anyone else? Age-old fears and superstitions revive myths and reveal ancient secrets. But is there any truth to the tales? What's awaiting to be unveiled in the forests of Snoqualmie? Judy Northup, the author of the Snoqualmie Valley Sasquatch series, is our guest today. And in addition to hearing some more about her books, she will say, share some of her publishing insights as well. Don't go away. We will be right back. If you're just joining us, then you are watching the Writer's Corner live show. I'm your host, Bridgette Limbanda from Cape Town in South Africa, and our stream is made possible by StreamYard, BeLive Media, and Creative Edge. A special warm welcome to you, our viewers, on Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Do know that this is an audience-centric show, and the comments are being monitored. We will not ignore you. We will acknowledge you. So please do say hello. Let us know where you're watching from. If you're brand new to the Writer's Corner Live show, then type new in the comments and then we can give you a shout out and say hello. Our amazing guest today is Julie Northup. But before we bring Julie onto the show, I want to also say a warm welcome to my friend and co-host, Mary Elizabeth Jackson. She's a special needs and disabilities advocate and also the award-winning author of the Poolicious children's book series and just like that let's say a warm welcome to Mary. Hi how are you? I'm very well in yourself. I'm great and I have to tell you I'm so excited about having um, Julie on she's so amazing but I'm excited because I'm a huge Sasquatch fan huge because <laughs> you know how you know we're, we grew up about the same time and in life and we were born around the same time and so I, I do you remember all the big deal the shows when we were kids about the sighting and it was the same video sighting of him and it was like in the woods of california and you were terrified but it was still so cool and then now they you know for the last 10 years or whatever they have a show um i don't even know what network it's on but it's you know bigfoot finding bigfoot and I tell you what, we got into that years ago. I mean, we made Bigfoot snacks. The neighbors came over. We did Bigfoot calls. We had a blast with it. <laughs> well, I I just want to say that that is a American thing. And since we are an okay. international show, let me just tell everyone who doesn't know, Sasquatch is Bigfoot. <laughs> yes, tall, dark, and so, hairy, just like she said, right? 
So I just wanted to make that clear there so that everyone knows exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, and absolutely. also um, that the Snoqualmie is a city next to the Snoqualmie Falls in King County, Washington in the USA. So if you don't know what the context is of Snoqualmie, that's where it is. It's okay. in the United States. Because um, I had to go and look it up. I didn't know either. And if I didn't know, I figured the rest of the people watching outside of the US doesn't know as well. So just a bit of context there. And you don't think about that when you're in your own country. You think that it's like I, you just think that everyone knows about it because those world phenomenon type thing usually is, you know, it's like, like there's the, you know, you've got the Yetis, you know, and the abominable snowman. And you know what I mean? So anyways, yes, it, it's a it is, a, you know, I guess, an American thing and pop culture. I know. I'm, I'm always, you know, whenever I put, I put together a show, I'm always looking for things that I think you know do people in the rest of the world know about it would somebody in India know would somebody in Australia know and so I always try and gather some context um, because often I don't know you know I'm not in the United States either so I've, I'd like <laughs> to just provide some bit of a context so um, so Julie is from Minnesota but she now lives in Wisconsin in the US mm. and um, and she tells us that she finds the whole process of writing, editing, formatting, getting the artwork for the book cover, deciding on the book cover, reviewing everything and putting the whole thing together. She finds that process quite fascinating. And I think it's great that we get to talk to her because as a new author, it's a very daunting process because it's something that you haven't yet uh, gone through and so I think you know one always has a lot of questions when you start writing like you know how do I do this so I think Julie is going to be just the right person to give us a little bit of insight um, on that process so looking forward to talking to her so with that shall we just invite her onto the screen Hi, Julie. Hi, ladies. How are you today? We're good. We're so excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Hey, I want to. I know we have questions for you. Where did your fascination come uh, with with Sasquatch to begin with? Even right, Virgetti? Um, I've always right. always loved him. I mean, I exactly what you were saying, Mary. That growing up, I remember you know the whole. Sasquatch. Yeah. There's the one picture in the pose. I know. <laughs> we right. should have put it up on the screen. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> right. I, I used to watch In Search of with Leonard yes. Nimoy. Yes. That was, that was my show. Yes. And I remember as a kid, those things terrified me, but it was also, it was also like, um, fascinating. Felt, yeah. The, the, but also the, the more I knew, the more powerful I felt like knowledge is power. Like I felt, I felt empowered against my fears. So I, it, I felt like the more I understood, so myth and lore and legend always was something that intrigued me. And so, especially like the Native American aspect of it. And so that's that's also what I took for this particular um, aspect of the book was the Native American take on Sasquatch. 
which is why it's it's set in Snoqualmie. And so um, that's really where it came from. It just kind of spurred out of that myth and that fear. <laughs> that's beautiful. And we're saying hello to one of your colleagues, Kaz. Hi, Kaz. Welcome to welcome to the show. Hi, Kaz. <laughs> it's so it's always so nice to see new people in the audience. I just love that. It gives me an absolute kick to see new people. So thank you for joining us. So tell us, tell us, Julie, how did you go from becoming an author to becoming a book publisher, or was it the other way around? Like which came first? Chicken um, or the egg? Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, uh, being an author came first, and I got involved with um, a small press, and I started to kind of get more involved in the behind the scenes. And I'm a true believer, again, knowledge is power. So I wanted to understand everything about my industry as much as I could. And having that... Um, understanding just kind of led more to the technical side and I just found that I, I was really fascinated by it and it helped to enhance the creative elements to it for me so it just seemed like a natural step forward. Mm, that's good and you can take your that's the good thing about being on both sides like with live streaming you know for Jenny can do both sides you know and I and I can do both sides but it 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 actually, it helps you to do it better. It's like an actor who becomes a filmmaker, you know, they can add so much more depth to everything. And um, so oh, <laughs> the, I, I know Bergetti said that for new authors, it's daunting the whole process, but I'm not sure that that dauntingness ever leaves when there's so many moving parts to get a book go, you know, to have it come around, at least you know, it's coming, but it still is some of it's really a challenge I, and, and editing, I think, is quite a challenge for most people. So um, but what exactly does the publishing process? This is like kind of probably a, I don't know. It's not a quick answer, but involve, uh, you know, involved from editing, formatting your book, choosing the cover, et cetera. And I know for each publisher, it's going to be different for mm -hmm. how an author, how long they should expect you know, the going back and forth uh, with all those decisions and, and a good publishing company, or even if you hire one person, you know, they should be very good with communication and letting you know a timeline. So an author knows, you know, okay, so here are my corrections that I need to approve or add more. And I've got 10 days to do it in, you know? Right. Um, you hit, you hit the nail on the head when you said it really depends on, on the structure of the press and it really also will depend on the, um, I don't want to say the skill set, but really the skill set of, of who you're working with. And if, if you don't have the right editor with the right author too, that makes a difference because you have to have, that really is such an intimate relationship between author and editor because there's, there's such a connection between that style and that voice and that communication. But um, if I were to give a generic answer, I would say it's it's going to take a couple months, quite honestly. It's it's not something that you can expect to happen in a matter of days just because it's such it's such an intricate process because just the editing alone is where you're going to put most of your time and effort into if you want a quality book because you need to you're looking at syntax, you're looking at you're looking at more than just typos. 
you know, you're looking at flow, you're looking at consistency. And the job of the editor is to go back and make sure that you have accuracy of data, you know, that, that if somebody says this city is here and it's an actual city, that that's actually that city. You know, if somebody says, you know, you're looking at words because you don't want to have re repeat words, you know, like sometimes there's, there's certain hot words that people use as filler words. You know, you want to make sure you're not using that kind, you know, there's, or and, if you have too many ands, then. It's obnoxious. Yeah, it makes a difference. Or That's how we talk. That's exactly. the problem. It's the way we talk, right, Bridgetti? Because we could say, and I did this, and I did that, and I did that, but you can't write it that way. And there is a difference between narrative and there's a difference between dialogue. And you also have to look at what's happening between the, like the, um, the temple of what, what you're setting up for narrative as well as what you're setting up for character voice. So those are all things that, that even though the author is setting up and creating, the editor actually has to go back and make sure that all of that is consistent and all of that is flowing. There's no plot holes. Like if, if you said this person took off their jacket here, four paragraphs down, they're not retaking that jacket off again. Right. So, so when you, when you're looking at just getting the editing done, is that typically one editor or do you have more than one editor? And is that typically um, something, an editor, someone that you as the publishing house decides on as part of the, the package? For me personally, in our in our setting, we do it as a, as a collaborative, but how we set it up is we have a primary editor that works with the author because you, for consistency and for flow, you wanna keep one main editor for the project, especially if it's a series to make sure because they're gonna be very intimate with, with those characters and with that storyline and with that series. And they're gonna, they're gonna know how to work with that author and then what we do is from there, we pass it out to the rest of our team and then we get additional um, feedback from that because each of us have, have something different that we look at from the standpoint of a reader. And that also gives us a different standpoint as an editor. So we have, um, you know, one person on our team is really good at finding the plot holes. One person on our team is constantly asking, well, why would this character do this? Because they, they just, they're so good at like, I want to know what this, what makes this character drive. Another person will find every typo you've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> but there's that, always one, there's always yeah. one that somebody misses. But that's so why do you typically, it's really important. So do you typically have uh, a group of test readers as well that'll read advanced copies that'll give input into the editing process? Yes, she does. So, and that's good. You want that, you know, you need that. Beta readers are so important. And I think that's as, as, as like a new author, you don't realize how important beta readers are and how important those arcs are. I know when I when I was first coming into the industry, you know, I was like, oh, I get to share my stories. I'm so excited. I just, oh, you know, and I just I put it up there. And even when when I got my first um, publisher, 
they really, in my opinion, failed me because they didn't do all the steps that should have been done. We didn't have the quality checks. We didn't have the proper editing. We didn't have the beta readers. I didn't even know what that was. So books were put up and they weren't clean. And so readers are getting these books and they're like, um, this is spelt wrong. This is wrong. And now we have the ability to get direct feed feedback from readers are able to even go through like you can mark it on your Kindle and then Amazon will alert you, hey, there's a quality issue and you can go in and fix it. Hmm. It's That's great. Yeah, they have that ability. They didn't have that in the beginning. And, you know, small presses and early indie in that movement weren't helping you, you know, and um, that was really a failing. But what um what we've gone to is we went from the indie movement being a fad to being the business that's supposed to be. So now it, it, it is the business that's supposed to be and the people that really care are putting all of those checks in place and they understand these are important things you have to do to make sure that you have a quality product for readers. And especially if you're going to charge. So what do you think is okay? The, what are the the benefits of going with a traditional publisher and then, or as opposed to self publishing? Because there's good and bad with both. Yes. So, um, the biggest thing really is marketing and reach. Mm -hmm. um, the I've I've talked with with I, I have friends and I've interviewed people from both sides of the spectrum, and. I think that the main thing is what your goal is as an author of what you're trying to accomplish. And, um, you know, are you just wanting to get your stories out there? Are you trying to be the next Stephen King? Are you, you know, what is your, what is your ambition as an author? Because it's, you know, it's, it's so wide open now. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you have, you know, uh, 50 shades of gray, right? Mm -hmm. They were self-published and they yep. were at a festival, a book festival and literary literary agent was walking around looking for people, found them and boom, next thing you know, it's turned into a movie. And this was a self-published author who was a nobody. So yes. it's just so crazy. There's no rhyme or reason. You know, and no matter if you go self-publish or traditional publish, you still have to work. You have to be, you have you to dedication, time, years, and know that, you know, if this is what you want to do, you got to put something into it. Exactly. And, and the biggest thing is what I've heard from a lot of traditional, um, traditionally published authors too, is that they are looking more towards the indie movement and, and more actually smaller presses because, Mm -hmm. um, why that seems to be more of the thing is, is, um, you still have more control. That's the biggest reason why people are going more towards the smaller presses, like, like Norm Stryad, which is what I have is because you maintain that control. Once you get into the traditional, you don't have a say in your cover. You don't have a say in your blurbs. You don't have a say, you know, once it gets to them, it's theirs. And you can't just pick up the phone and talk to your publisher. Like, I mean, that's what yeah. I'm grateful for with Tuscany Bay Books. You know, Jim, Jim called me yesterday. We just chatting about stuff, you know, what he's working on. And that means a whole lot when you, you've been with another publisher. I have, and it was not a good experience. And so yeah. um, 
there's a lot to be said for that smaller environment and, and that relationship, that trust. Yes. And that's a huge thing. The trust factor, the availability and the control over your own art and having that because your name is on that, which is, that's your brand. That's, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? That's, people are going to know your name and, and I want to control of that. You know, like I say, my initial publisher, I felt failed me because that, that wasn't having the quality checks that was out there. Now, if it's lacking quality, that's on me, you know, but I also have the means to go in and fix that. Whereas if it went through somebody else, I wouldn't have necessarily had those had that ability to do that. So you have to make sure that who you're picking and who you're going with also gives you, make sure that they don't take the control from you. Make sure that um, they don't take your rights from you. That's a huge thing. Right. So, so tell me a little bit about that. You know, so if, if I'm a new author and I'm wanting to get published, mm -hmm. do you kind of have a checklist of questions that I should be answering, um, you know, myself before I make a decision? Because you can go with, you can go with a publisher and regret your decision. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and also, should one build in a clause to get out? Yes. You know, because if things don't go the way that you anticipate it, there could be nothing worse because it can be very, very damaging to your book if you can't get out of it and you've you've lost control. A yes. legit contract will have that in there. A good a good contract will have that particular thing in there. And and Brigetti brings up a good point. You know, what are uh, what are the things that we look for and should look for in a contract between a publisher and an author, whether it's a small or large. And then you need to have that right to negotiate back and forth for Jetty, you know, to say, OK, so one A says this. Is this what you mean? Or can we add this in? You know, because I've done that several times. And um, you definitely want to keep your rights. You want to make sure that's in the contract that you keep your copyrights will revert back to you, like at the ending of the contract with with a publisher. But you also want to keep the rights to any film, film, TV, any products that come from the line. You want to make the money off that and not the publisher. You have to have it specified between digital rights, right? Um, paperback rights, um, audiobook rights. There's merchandising. All of, all of that makes a difference. You have to make sure that that's that's all specified because um, it's it's all money making and and they all have different rights to them. I almost feel like you know you need you need an advisor almost <laughs> when you, really you are deciding when mm -hmm. you're deciding on a publisher because you know for a lot of people some people may be able to churn out books at a at a large rate some people may write one book and it becomes a bestseller but if they've gone with a wrong publisher um, they could be losing out. They could have made a very bad financial decision if they didn't know about all these clauses to to look for. So I almost feel like one needs a consultant of some sorts that could advise a new, especially a new author, and say, look, before you decide, let me have a look over the contract for you um, to see if it's in your best interests. And if things go pear-shaped or if it's a success, these are the clauses that um, you need revised or these is what you must have in your contract. Um, so I think it's a very, very important role. And I like the point that you made that a smaller indie publisher 
um, you definitely have a lot more control than if you go with a big publisher. Yes, there's benefits, but I think maybe a big publishing house is possibly where you should go if you already are an established mm. author. Yeah, I think I think too if your um, if your goal is to be more of of a a just I just want to focus on my writing. That's my main goal. Then a big publisher is what you want to do because they're going to do more of the marketing, the campaigning, the the promotional elements for you. Whereas when you're in a a smaller environment, more of that falls onto you. But that's not to say that even though you're traditional, you can't you you're not going to have that because more and more that is falling on to the author as well because you have to be accessible to your readers because it's kind of like when you look at a movie and you're like, ooh, Ryan Reynolds. You know, you're like, I don't care what movie he's in. I love him. I'm going to go see that. You have that same thing with with an author. I don't care what Stephen King wrote. It's Stephen King. I'm going to read it, mm-hmm. you know. So you're also selling yourself as well as your work. So you have to have that. You have to let your reader know who you are as well. So you do still have to have that element of connectivity and availability to your readers. But there's a difference in marketing and promotion between the the big traditional and the the smaller publishing. That's one of the biggest the biggest choices you're going to end up making. Is that some of is that something that you advise your authors on? Because I find you know, irrespective of 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 what you do, whether you're an author or you sell um, pencils, it really doesn't make a difference. But because people seem to have this notion when it comes to marketing. Um, when my book is published, I will focus on marketing. But that marketing journey should really start about way three before months. your book is published. Yeah, about three months ahead of time. You had to do a campaign even longer than that. And there, you can find, I'm sure there's lists out there. You know, if you're a newbie, you could find a marketing list and promotion list somewhere at YouTube or whatever, Google, you know. But um, Julie, maybe that's something you need to write next <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm actually thinking, you know, it needs to be, you know, apart from the traditional sort of three months, as you mentioned, Julie, you're not just necessarily marketing that book, you're marketing yourself so that right. people will read simply because it's you. Correct. So that process, as they say in marketing, the no like and trust factor is something you can't even build in three months. It takes a very, very long time. So it's relationship marketing. <laughs> It is, that yeah. you that you really need to do way before your book. Yeah, a, a, lot lot of, ne- a lot of networking too. I mean, Julie yeah. and I met through um, the press release of my book because Julie is a huge champion of authors and promoting um, their books coming out and sharing it with others. And so she just she's just a huge asset to authors and, and, and we need support. She needs support in what she does. So she continues to have clients. But also authors need support in so many different ways. We just we need a lot of cheerleaders going, yeah, that book's great. And they're awesome. And, you know, hey, why don't you let's connect you with this person to see what happens. And, you know, it's it's all this whole support thing. And I know in the three years we've been doing this show because we just reached went over our, our three year mark. 
uh, the networking that's happened has been amazing. And um, just the connections that Bergetti and I have made has just been wonderful. And the relationships, right? I mean, we can just sometimes we just call an author up and, you know, every once in a blue moon, we might need an author on the show and say, hey, what are you doing? You know, can you come on Tuesday? You know, we want to know what you're doing, catching up, you know, and, and we like to follow everyone's career as best we can, don't we? Absolutely. So, Julie, just tell us a little bit about the Snoqualmie Valley Sasquatch series. How did you decide on making that a two book series um, instead of just one book? Like, just give us the reasoning behind that. And I just want to give a shout out to Freddie and Tish, who's also watching us um, on Amazon. Welcome to you. Just give us a bit of insight on, 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 you know, like if someone is writing a book, how do you decide? And is it is that meant for an experienced author? Just give us some insight on that. Um, sometimes you know ahead of time just because you have the story inside you and you know that it's going to be bigger than just what one book could do. It'd be too daunting for one book. And then other times um, it just kind of explodes as you're going. I'm kind of I'm kind of in between the the seat of my pants writing and the plotter, you know, because I, 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 <laughs> you know, I, I start going and then the characters start talking to me, you know, I'm that middle of the That's night good. psychotic person that the voices don't shut up and you have to get up. <laughs> that makes for a good book though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so this one I kind of knew because it, it's, it's, um, it just kind of had a life of its own and there it's still whispering to me. So I don't know that it's just going to be two books. I don't know. I just, you know, it's the time thing. Do I have the time to sit down and get it all out or. But that's you know? very clever because you've called it a series. Um, so you've kind of opened yourself up to the possibility of going beyond two books and it won't be too much of a big deal because a series can be, any amount of books. So that was very clever. <laughs> well, and it's also it's also a good marketing tactic for an author because most uh, publishers don't want a one hit wonder. They want right. a series because they're like, oh, I'm seeing dollar signs yeah. and a future and a relationship with this author. They're not going to come and go in the night. So, uh, but also doesn't have to do, Julie, don't you think with numbers, like the the, the amount of numbers in a book? Uh, we Remember, Rajani, we, off, we uh, Daniel, I think was his name, or I think it's David. Um, remember, he had been writing for like 20 years or something. And his book was so big. He had like 200,000 words. And so the publisher was like, nope, got to cut it down and make it into two or three. Yeah. So I remember yeah. that. Yes. Yeah, I do we remember like, that. Like, we were both like, it took you how long? You had how many words? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. David McDaniel. David McDaniel. Yeah, we love David. I think he just released his third book, or he's getting ready to. Uh, we we need to we need to chat with him again. But yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I know that it's like my daughter is writing her YA novel. She's at fifty four thousand words, and I'm like. Um, are you close to the end? Are you close to the end? Have you gotten to the, you know, are you at the climax? The play? Has it happened yet? I'm almost there. I'm almost there, you know? <laughs> so it's just amazing. So, yeah, she's no, that's you. good. That's good it, because it's, it's once great. you get there, you kind of, you know, that's the whole thing. Get it out and yeah. then reassess. So, you know, that's, yeah. that's part of the process too, I think. Like so at, at what, at what point, 
at what point, Julie, do you think you should hand it over to the the publisher or the editor? I mean, do you do you wait until you kind of like, okay, I'm I'm done with this, or <laughs> you know, like how do you, how do you decide when you should hand it over to your publisher? Um, and that actually, in 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 my opinion, and um, other people may have different experiences, you know, depending on how how their relationships are with theirs. In my experience, especially with Norm's Triad Publications, what we try to do is um, by the time it, it gets to me as an editor and I'm doing content editing and stuff, it, it should be pretty finalized once it gets to that point. But there are steps and stuff that happen before where as a team, we collaboratively support each other. So we're always available to you know, discuss plot and to discuss character building and to go through that element. And I'm always, you know, I'm available when I'm working with an author to help with that developmental editing um, and to help with with that, that um, really questioning different things because that's where that whole magic happens. That's where, that's where the team happens where each person is looking at it with a different thing because if one person is asking a question about something, if they're asking it, there's going to be a reader out there that's asking it. So even if you don't go anywhere with it or if it's not really necessary to the story or, you know, it's, it's, it's just a question that somebody's curious about by asking that you're inspiring it. And, and are you as a publisher also the sort of coordinator or peacemaker? Like, you know, what if, what if this is the feedback you're getting from all the, from all the editors um, and the, and the readers and your author says, no, I'm not changing that. Like, how do you, how do you deal with that? When the author just digs their heels in and say, I'm not changing that, but your gut says this is a mistake. What we do for our company, how we have it set it up, we've set it up that we've said, this is your art. Ultimately, your name is on it. Ultimately, you know the character, you know the story. Ultimately, you have the final say. So even though we come with the editing and we say, from our experience, our knowledge, our, our technical aspects of this, um, this is what we're suggesting to you. We can support this by this. You know, we can't give you a suggestion if we can't back it up. Um, if, you know, this is why we're telling you this particular thing. Ultimately, though, it's up to the the author to make the final call. Mm. And if if we feel like it's an integrity thing, if we feel like it's a quality thing, that it's, you know, in the end, the publisher has the right to not publish it. Right. So it's that give and take. So it's, I've never had an author who's not cared enough about their book to try to do something that's going to make their book better. That's good. So, that's right. Good. So do you have any like hmm, gold nuggets? Let's see. We like gold nuggets to give to our audience and anyone out there who has, you know, thinking about getting published, hasn't even started writing, thinking about it, or somebody who's even, I don't know, this might cover too many people, but, you know, had a bad experience <laughs> and they've decided to give up, you know, you know, so do you have any gold nuggets? 
um, you know, we all have those days where we feel like, why am I doing this? And my gold nugget is exactly what you were saying. That's where the networking and the community comes in. This community is amazing. This is why I do what I do and why I love what I do, because there is so much support and care amongst all of us because we're we're readers first and foremost and we love we love books we love writing we love sharing the story and that's what it comes down to and as long as you remember that's the focus and you remember that you know the people who are giving you critique are there because they 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 genuinely care and want it to be you know a they good come from product. a good place yeah and 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 they're not trying to hurt you then then you're going to get through it and you're going to remember that it's there's there's light at the end of the tunnel nobody likes to hear negative feedback but there's going to be negative feedback there's always going to be somebody who's going to like what you do and there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like what you do <laughs> So do you kind of prepare people for like, you know, when you start engaging with a new author, do you kind of prepare them and say, listen, you know, the beta readers are going to get hold of your book and there are chances that they're going to disagree with some things or give you negative feedback. Do you kind of emotionally prepare them for that? Because I don't think any new author is kind of ready for that onslaught of feedback that they may be getting. I prepare them for me. I'm the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did you tell me? What did you tell me? You're you're you said something, so you felt you felt compelled to tell me. Yes. So yeah. And and I, I'm open to constructive criticism because in, in working but because of working and you know, like right. for Jenny and I have partnership, I have partnership with Thornton. We have to work together. So in order to make those situations work, you have to be open to hearing yeah. constructive criticism. Because it's only there to make your book better. Or exactly. unless you're, you know, with somebody who's just a horrible person, they're just mean to you. You don't want that. But right. you know, but but a good person can offer constructive criticism. And you know, I mean, Thornton and I do it. He'll send me a song. Like he's got three number ones, and he'll send me the he'll send me the things that okay, how does this sound? And it, recently he was working on one and I was like, okay, these two lines have gotta go. Let's re, you know, let's rework it. <laughs> You know, and he and I went back and forth. And it was like, okay, now it works, you know, but, right. but he's open to it. And so am I, and we go back and forth with it, just like you probably do. And, you know, Virginia and I, we go back and forth on things together, but it works because we're both willing to, you know, we know it's for the better, greater good. Right. It's not, there's no harm or intention there at all. So, exactly. you know, nobody, you don't want, nobody's going to say to you, you know, you, you suck. Okay. We don't want to hear that. And, um, you know, <laughs> we don't want to be the one to say that, but, you know, you know, hey, let's kind of tweak this a little bit and see if we can put some different sentences here or whatever. So, you know, and um, so I'm always grateful for it because I hope it makes things better. Me too. Me too. And I want that. What I give, I also want back. That's I think that's the thing, too, is that people have to remember is that um, what a lot of authors want is also what they're upset about, because they want that feedback. They want that because that's what's going to make them better. That's what, what's going to drive them and make them thrive. But it's also incredibly hard because your books are your babies. Oh, yes, very much. It's such a personal journey. Mm -hmm. Oh, my word. And you take, you get very wounded. 
yeah. know, when somebody doesn't see your vision or get what you're going for. But like you said, we you that's where you have to have a backbone too. You have to be prepared for that because not everybody's going to like what you're doing. And you just have to know, okay, there's a purpose for this book. There's a purpose for what I'm doing. And I just have to stay the course and just yeah. see that light at the end of the tunnel and keep moving forward. Well, and you have to understand too, you have to separate yourself from true criticism yeah. and the trollism. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have, and right. you have to be able to accept the criticism and to use that to as a tool to better yourself and to be able to just let go of the negativity that's just there just to be there. Right. right. Yeah. And there's Absolutely. always somebody out there who's negative and mean, but um, Julie, thank you so much for being on. We have to have you on again because we can talk forever. <laughs> Can't thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I, I really do. Thank you so much for everything you do and the support you give to our community. Thank you so much. It's, it's a big pleasure. And your, your books are both available on Amazon. Um, how many so books to, have you got? How many books have you got in circulation now? Um, for Norm's Triad, we have uh, we have around forty books right now. And oh we, wow! Yeah, and we have um, we have we have like thirty more waiting to come up, but it's just you know it takes time. Everything right. is projected out. So. Right. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, that's yes. that's a lot of books. And and typically all your books are released on Amazon. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. We are going to be going wide with um our standalones, but typically we, we are going to be keeping the series um, as a uh, KDP select just because that makes it, um, it kind of gives a little bit more uh, tools for us for marketing. So okay. that's why, yeah. So, so Nord's, right. So Nord's triad. So N-O-R-D-S triad. N-O-R-N-S. It's, it's actually. Yes, that's right. That's right. Sorry. It's Viking. It's, oh yeah, that's what. Yes. How how did you? How I was gonna ask you is that a play on your name when you came up with with Norm's Triad as a as a name for your uh, publishing house? <laughs> um, no, it's actually my my one partner and I who are uh, uh, Sahara Foley and I are actually the the legal partners of it. We're both Danish, and oh, okay. so we're we're Viking, and the Norms are the Triad of Being, and that's the um, and. Marty Kate, wow. uh, Sahara Foley, and I actually came up with the company and made the company and built the company from the ground up. And so we are the triad that built the company. Oh, nice. Okay. You know, I've never <laughs> asked you that question, so I'm glad you explained it to us. So if you're looking for a publisher, you need the Vikings, right? That's right. That, that, is, that is amazing. You know, sometimes we, we don't realize that, you know, a name may just sound like a name to us. But very often there's a story behind uh, the name. And that is why, you know, storytelling is always so powerful. Because yes. when people understand where you're coming from, it's what kind of draws people uh, to you and to your and to your business, you know. So storytelling. It makes it more valid. It makes it more valid. It makes you want yeah. to be a part of it more and know more about it. Well, so. and, they, and they weave the stories of people's lives. They're the fate. Mm -hmm. So that's the what they're going for. There yep. you go. Oh, I love it. And well, if you're a Sasquatch, congratulations. Fan, Thank you. Need to, we need to have a we need to have a Sasquatch party on uh, Writer's Corner for Jenny. I am so in. <laughs> we need our wood sticks because we got we got a bang of sticks together to call in the Bigfoot, mm. and we have to have Bigfoot howl. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Julie, thank you so much. Thank I want to just also give a huge big shout out to our amazing audience that has joined us today on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Amazon. It has been uh, great to have you join us. Thank you so much. Thank you for all the comments that you've made. Always appreciative of those comments. We love the interaction. And again, if you're watching this on the replay, type new so that we know who you are. And, um, and do give us a follow, because if you do follow, then you get a notification when we go live again. Julie, this was amazing. You've got so many nuggets. We could talk to you for an hour. <laughs> yeah, we should have her back on to discuss, you know, just things about being a publisher and things that they're looking for in a good author and a good book and a good story and all that blah, 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 blah that could go on and on and on. Right, Julie? Do we That's need to have great. her back? We'll have we her back for a class, an education class. <laughs> We definitely need to have you back and we'll have 20 questions for you next time. Julie, yeah. thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Goodbye. Thank we'll see you. you back next week on the Writer's Corner live show. For now, it's goodbye. Mm -hmm.